listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm jumping into this today. Um, I wanted to I wanted to share this this um, thought with you because I see so often people hindered by this. I text you this morning. You are called to be unstoppable, and share share this broadcast today. If you're listening uh, later on the podcast, share the podcast with somebody. But you are called to be unstoppable, without question. And one of the biggest things, morning, Caitlin. One of the biggest things that stops people from moving forward without hindrance is what they, what other, how they respond to what other people think. How they respond to what other people think. Morning, Glenn. Good morning, Leslie. Good morning, Kevin and Mary Beth. How they respond to what other people think. You've got to get to a place where things like that do not affect you where you can't do anything that you're called to do because of external uh, comments, interactions, all those things. I'm gonna give you five things today that will help you in this uh, goal of accomplishing what God's called you to do and show you from scripture how you can cut that off at the root and that it would never affect you. You don't care, not only do you not care what other people think, I'm going to show you step by step how you can walk in total strength so that as you're doing what God's called you personally to do, none of these things will have an effect on you or hinder you from moving forward. Without question, it's important that you operate like this. I've seen too many people refuse to step out because they're afraid of what people will say about them or think about them refuse to to go into ministry, refuse to start the business, refuse to step out and do something new. Even to do a side thing, well, you know, who am I? What will people people you know people think I'm nuts? You know, who cares what people think? Who cares what people think? You are called to be unstoppable. No question about that. You are called to be unstoppable. God didn't create you and anoint you and gift you and talent you so that you could keep it bottled up, caring how others will react to what God's put in you. That is not why God created you to be as great and powerful as you are. No, you've got too much anointing. You've got too much talent. You've got too much grace. You've got too much favor on your life to keep it bottled up inside you because of what somebody else may think or what else somebody, what somebody else may say or how they may react or respond to your anointing, your calling, your life. That's it, Brother Kevin. Get over the fear of man. The fear of man is one of the biggest obstacles and roadblocks in any person's life. Almost every hindrance that we impose upon ourselves is done so by fear. It's done so by fear. And we have to uh, get past that. I'm going to show you five decisions to make today. Five decisions to make immediately that will get you beyond this. And, and literally becoming unstoppable in what God's called you personally to do. So, and that's exactly, uh, Brother Glenn's exactly right. We have an unfair advantage over the world, which is the Holy Ghost in us. It's the mind of Christ. It's the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. It's the empowerer. It's the comforter. It's the deliverer. It's resurrection power. We have an advantage. You've got an advantage. So let me give you these five decisions that every Christian should make immediately if they've not already. Now, I would guess that many of you have made some of these, but you need to make it a checklist and say, have I done all those things to ensure that I'll never let that feeling, that emotion, that thought process hold me back from being who God created me to be? And so as we're talking about this, uh, removing that hindrance of what other people may say, think, how they react, Number one is this, and I want you to write it in your notes. I'll give you scriptures as well, and these scriptures will help you forever. I can't believe this is not taught more 
in the body of Christ. It's actually very rare, very rare. But number one, put it in the comments, know who you are in Christ. Know your Christ identity. If you can establish that as the foundation, then it won't care. You won't care what other people think. It won't matter what they do or say or how they react. Know who you are in Christ. And I'll tell you something. I've been to a lot of churches and I know you know that because I've been traveling now my entire life and in the ministry for 20 years, 21 years. But let me tell you in all of the churches I've been to, it's crazy to me how few of them teach that revelation Paul had that he wrote in the epistles of who we are in Christ, in him, in whom, you know, all those places, uh, in the, um, all those places in the, in the new Testament where you see in him, in whom, in Christ, you know, you start to recognize there's a, a pattern going on. Hey, brother Scott. There's a pattern going on. Paul's teaching us a revelation of our identification with Christ. And if we don't understand who we are in Christ, we will then believe a multiplicity of things. Who we were told we were growing up. Well, you know, our family's never been successful. Well, you know, our family's never had much. We've always been in debt. Well, you know, nobody in our family ever went to college. You know, if it wasn't for bad luck, we wouldn't have any luck at all. And so all these things that maybe you heard growing up, that'll become your identity. What other people say about you will become your identity. Oh, yeah, he's not that smart. You know, I've, I've been around and he's not that smart. And you start to think to yourself, well, maybe I'm not that smart. You know, maybe I'm not. I mean... Uh, really, nobody in our family has excelled that much. Maybe, maybe I'm not that intelligent. And so what happens is, if you don't know who you are in Christ, then you will let other people define who you actually are. And even if that's not who you truly are, you'll start to adopt that mindset and adopt that identity because of the fact you don't know who you truly are. And as we start to quote some of these things and understand we have the mind of Christ. I'm not dumb. I'm not unintelligent. I'm not stupid. I'm not, you know, a problem. No, I've got the mind of Christ. I've got the mind of Christ. I have access to the Holy Spirit. And when I have access to him, he teaches me all things. Not only that, you think of the kind of wisdom you have access to. As we look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses eight and nine, God said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So now because we're connected to God in covenant and we have access to the mind of Christ, now we've got access to wisdom that is far beyond natural wisdom, that is far beyond human finite wisdom. We now have access to supernatural, infinite wisdom. Amen. And if we lack wisdom, the Bible says we can simply ask God, James 1, 5, who will give to everybody generously or liberally and will not rebuke them for asking. God wants us to be wise so badly that he'll give us wisdom and never rebuke us for asking for a lot of it. Hallelujah. So once you start to understand these in Christ things, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not by any means, uh, someone who is called to be sick in body for the rest of my life. No, I have a healer. I have access to a healer. I have access to divine healing, literally a, the spirit of resurrection, Holy ghost, resurrection power lives in my body is quickening my physical body right now. Amen. You start to have a a realization. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm not a failure. I'm a conqueror. There's people that go through life with a mindset that they're a failure. They're a failure. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm a screw up. I'm a failure. They've told me. I understand it. You know, I'm not. And then you go into the victim mentality. Well, I'm a victim. You know, everybody's true. And, and you get into that mindset. No. You're victorious. You're not a victim today. You're victorious. How do I know? Because Paul wrote, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. Good morning, Orlando. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I've got the victory. You've got the victory. We're not screw-ups. We're not failures. We're not victims. No, we're conquerors, more than conquerors, overcomers, victorious. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. We're seated in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers, rulers and dominions in every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. All things are under our feet. Why? Because we've been raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. As Glenn just wrote in the comments, we are kings and priests. We're a peculiar people, a called out people. Hallelujah. A called out people. We've got everything we need in the anointing. In fact, Paul told the Ephesians in the third chapter or the third verse of the first chapter that you've been blessed. So, well, I wish I was blessed. You are. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Ooh, glory to God. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and by Christ Jesus. He's the one that blessed you. Everyone, don't ever again say, I wish I was blessed. You're already blessed with every blessing. What is that? That's an in Christ revelation. That's a Pauline, that's Paul's revelation. Paul wrote Ephesians. Paul wrote Philippians and Colossians and first and second Timothy. I mean, wrote almost half the New Testament. You are above and not beneath. You are the head and not the tail. Amen. And so get, get it in your spirit today. It's impossible for you to be a victim. It's impossible for you to be a screw up. It's impossible for you to be a loser. You're already a winner because Christ made you one. Christ made you one. So this first thing I'm dealing with today is that if we don't know who we are in Christ, that's number one, we will allow other people to define us. We will allow circumstances to define us. We'll allow the culture to define us. We'll allow the government to define us. I've preached on that. You know, don't expect something to be your story just because the government said so, just because the culture said so, right? Don't set your expectation based upon the words of men, but on the words of God. And so why it's so vital, you know, we were just with Pastor Mark Hankins. He has a phenomenal uh, spirit-filled study guide where you have all the in Christ revelation packed into one um, like spiral notebook binder. Um, do we have that here or is it at the house? Do we have it here? Do you know? It's here? I want to show this to you if you don't have it. Uh, this is not even mine. This is his product, but you need to get it. You need to get it because if you don't understand this in Christ revelation, this would be something good to send people. Maybe this, we can do this next month, but I'll tell you this, this right here will change everything. Thank you. Look at that. The spirit filled scripture study guide, big old, uh, I mean, so much content in here with so many translations of the Bible <laughs> in one study guide. But if I, if I look at the beginning of this, all of the different scriptures that will show you, for example, references on righteousness, redemption, faith, Holy Spirit, the authority of the believer, prayer, divine healing, finances, love, joy, peace, eternal life, signs and wonders, all in this one big study guide with different translations of each one of those scriptures. I mean, this will help you. If you don't have, you say, where should I start? Where should I start if I want to get this information on the in Christ revelation? Start here and just look at what, what Pastor Mark's already prepared for people in this study guide. And there's, a, there's even a, a few pages showing you all of the different names of the different Bible translations he offers. But if you just went through this section on righteousness, redemption, and the authority of the believer, 
regarding what we're talking about. If you just went through righteousness, redemption, and the authority of the believer, uh, then I can tell you, it would give you a great understanding of who you are in Christ, the righteousness of God in Christ. The author is Pastor Mark Hankins, Pastor Mark Hankins. And um, we're going to pop it into the comments for you so that you can see the link as to where to get that uh, study guide, Pastor Mark Hankins. Uh, But there's the link coming up in the comments for you guys if you want to go grab a copy of that. It's phenomenal. It's absolutely a great reference for everybody. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you will miss out on what God has called you to be. And let me tell you, you are called to be unstoppable. In fact, I want you to put that in the comments today. I'm called to be unstoppable. I'm called to be unstoppable. Hallelujah. I'm called to be unstoppable. So that's number one. How do you move on? Hey, Miss Suzanne. Scott and Suzanne are on today. Happy 4th of July. Um, how, How do I get past this issue that the enemy tries to use against me to step out and be who God called me to be. Oh, I care, you know, what other people think. It is. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So number one, know who you are in Christ. Number two, focus on your call rather than the comments. Focus on the call. First of all, before I, I go on to that, let me read you this verse in Ephesians chapter two about knowing who you are in Christ. Here's the truth of who you are right here. You ready? Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There it is. We are his workmanship, created by him. For what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand. So let me tell you something. That's what you were created for. Good works. Good works. Number two, focus on your call rather than the comments. Focus on your call rather than the comments. Let me just say this. Galatians chapter one. Paul, Paul wrote this to the Galatians. For am I now, this is Galatians 1.10. For am I now seeking the approval of a man? Or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I'd not be a servant of Christ. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Galatians 1.10. Paul's teaching us here. We're not called to please men, but to please God. Let them make comments. People make comments on my stuff all the time. Negative comments. Mocking the Holy Ghost mocking the word of God, mocking signs, wonders, and miracles. They were doing it this morning. I woke up to people mocking signs, wonders, and miracles. <laughs> Who cares? Mock it all you want. It's not, not going to change me. I'm focused on my call, not the comments. Amen. I'm not trying to please men, trying to please God. God's the only one. Once you start to realize I only have to please one person, and that's God. And if he's happy with my life, it doesn't matter who's unhappy. (laughs) Yeah. If he's happy with my life, it doesn't matter who's unhappy. Does not matter. Romans chapter 12 uh, and verse number two, the Bible says, let me read it to you. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. I'm glad, Erica. She said, this was huge for me this weekend. The Lord showed up mightily on my behalf. Praise the Lord. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. That's right, Janine. It's our verse for the year of transformation. It's our year of transformation. We're not going to be, we're not going to conform. We're going to transform. We're not going to conform, we're going to transform by the renewing of our mind. And so I don't care. I do not care what the comments say. <laughs> I don't care what people say and they're, 
You know, because let me tell you, people love to, to have full commentary on your life. Full commentary on your life. People that have no idea how to even do what you do would love to comment on what you do. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's the absolute truth. People that don't even know how to do what you do want to comment on what you do. It's the equivalent of that big old overweight guy in his lazy boy recliner with, you know, chips and, and cheese all over his face and his shirt screaming at the television because an NFL quarterback made an incomplete pass. What an idiot. What an idiot. I'd have never made that pass. You couldn't even walk onto the field, let alone get a uniform on and throw a pass. You couldn't even walk onto the field and you're yelling in your lazy boy chair with chips and sauce all over your face about what you'd have done if it were you. And I'm gonna tell you something, people love to comment on what you're doing even if they don't know how to do what you're doing. That's why you gotta let the comments drop to the side. Let, them, let the comments, I was with the greatest evangelist probably, and I'm talking about numbers-wise, that ever lived, Dr. Reinhard Bonnke, who in the last 10 years of his ministry saw about 90 million salvations. 90 million. And if you've never seen his meetings, go look them up. They're powerful. But he said this to us in his office regarding how to deal with what people say. And he said this to me. He said, if people's praise cannot build you up, then their criticism can't tear you down. And I'm going to say that again because that, that'll change your whole life. If people's praise cannot build you up, then their criticism can't tear you down. Amen. One more time. If people's praise cannot build you up, then their criticism cannot tear you down. Hallelujah. You know what that means? I'm not dependent upon other people's praise to accomplish my purpose. But I'm also not going to be destroyed when criticism comes my way in the midst of doing what God's called me to do. People can get happy about it. People can be mad about it. But either way, it's not going to bother me. I'm happy if people are happy. I don't care if people are mad. <laughs> but if people's praise can't build you up, then their criticism cannot tear you down. We're not dependent on the words of others to be successful in the kingdom of God. And if we are so heavily dependent on what other people say about us, think about us. I mean, imagine if that was Paul. What he's dealing with in the Galatian, the letter to the Galatians is the fact that there's these other ministers that are calling him a false apostle, calling him a false apostle, a false teacher, because he's preaching this salvation, you know, by faith alone, by grace alone, not by works. And they're saying, you're a false teacher. You're a false prophet. You're a false apostle. And he's sitting there and asking the Galatians, am I doing this to please men or to please God? Now, if I was, he said, if I was doing this to please men, I'd not be a servant of Christ. <laughs> so you got to get that out of your mind. Get all those negative comments. Who cares? Who cares? I'm not going to be conformed to this world, but transformed by what? The spirit of your mind. Be transformed by the, by the spirit of your mind. Um, amen, Brit. And I'm telling you today, who cares what people think? Who cares what they say? It's, it's not the thing that determines whether or not you'll be success, successful in the kingdom of God. Let those comments fall. There's, and and I don't, I'm not one of these guys that likes to focus like other preachers on haters all the time and like, you know, hey, you got haters on there, you know, whatever. What I'm just saying to you is there will be people that hate on you. And nothing you could do would change that. Many of them, sometimes they're jealous, sometimes they're insecure, sometimes they're just angry. But who cares? I'm not focused on them. God will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup will run over. Amen. So I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is, am I doing 
what God called me to do. Don't change what you're doing because somebody criticized it. If you know it's your calling. I can't imagine stopping preaching because there are people like, I just don't like his preaching. I can't stand his preaching. He's too loud. He preaches too long. (laughs) I had a guy come up to me in Ohio recently and he said, you did a good job other than First of all, you're too loud. Secondly, you went for way too long. Thirdly, you used about 30 scriptures out of context. About 30 of them. It's like, so what did you appreciate about the meeting? You did a great job other than everything. And I looked at him and I said, he said, now, he said, now I don't mean to be rude. I said, too late. And he looked at me like, I said, you know, and I I told him, I said, you think I care what you think? Because I don't. And he went to put his hand on me. I said, don't touch me. Don't put your hand on me because you're about to be physically thrown from this building. No, I said, you don't don't need to touch me. He said, I don't want you to be offended. I'm not offended. To to be offended, I would actually have to care what you think. And And I don't care what you think. You thought I was too loud? Tough. I'll be louder than this before the week's over. You thought I went too long? Tough. The services are going to get longer than this before the week's over. <laughs> he, could, he couldn't actually give me any examples of any uh, scriptures I took out of context. Just so you, you took about 30 scriptures. Okay, name one. Which one did I take out of context? Well, you know, I, don't, I have to go back and look at my notes. Yeah, you don't know because I didn't. You just have, you're just weird. You smell weird. You look weird. <laughs> You smell like, he smelled like, um, you know, like when you grow like uh, little sprouts, like, like broccoli sprouts and like little sprouts. You smell like vegetable sprouts. I know, I know that's extremely specific. But you smell like vegetable sprouts. Why do you have a mung bean fragrance? Why do you smell like alfalfa? Why do you smell like vegetable sprouts in church? Throw Throw some deodorant and cologne on. Don't come into God's house smelling like vegetable sprouts. Smell like you just rolled around in a salad bar. What are you doing? I know that's specific, but I'm very specific, and that's what he smelled like. Looked like he hadn't taken a shower in about six months. <laughs> what do you live in a Ruby Tuesdays salad bar? <laughs> that's right. It is like what Creed was growing in his desk drawer in the office. <laughs> Take a shower. Take a shower and stop stop smelling like alfalfa sprouts. <laughs> Take a shower and brush your teeth before you come to rebuke the preacher. And so I'm just telling you, there, there will be comments. I don't care. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> I came into one church one time. And this was also in Ohio. What's the deal with Ohio? I came into another church in Ohio, and there was a big old, and you've heard me tell this one, big old farmer standing in the lobby with uh, overalls on with no shirt, big fat farmer, his nipples hanging out the side of his overalls with no shirt underneath, trucker cap, dirty boots. (laughs) He was like, are you the preacher? I was like, yes, I'm the preacher. He said, well, brother, let me just lay hands on you and pray for you and ask God to use you tonight. I said, no. He said, no. I said, yeah, you ain't laying hands on me. He said, what? Why not? I said, because look at you. (laughs) It's funny to, not that it's kind, but it's funny to point to someone's physical appearance as the reason that you don't want them to lay hands on you. 
Let me just lay hands on you. No. Why can't I? Because look at you. With your overalls and dirty. What do you have that I want? What do you have that I want? Nothing is the answer. And the pride to stand there in the lobby waiting for the preacher to come in so you can lay hands on. The pride. Do I care what people think? No. And you can't. You can't care what people think and still be used by God. Because let me tell you one thing I've learned. You can't make everyone happy. And trying to be a people pleaser is going to be the thing that destroys your ability to do anything of of worth in the kingdom. We're not called to be people pleasers. We're called to be God pleasers. Because when you please God, there will be a whole group of people that are angry about it. Whole group of people that will be angry about it. Jesus, the son of the living God, could not even please everybody. <laughs> not that he was trying, because he, he understood you can't even try. You can't please everybody. What do, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen when you're walking around with the spirit of God and you've got people around with an antichrist spirit. You think that they're gonna be pleased, right? You've got the spirit of Christ. Let's just think about it logically. They have the spirit of anti-Christ. So if you're on the Christ side and they're on the anti-Christ side, there's gonna be some friction there. There's gonna be some friction. And I don't care whether or not they're happy. There'll be Christians that get upset with you. Tough, I don't know what to tell you. I'm not holding anything against you. Don't hold anything against me. That's on you. Bible says so. If you have anything against your brother, go to them. Talk to them about it. Resolve it. Right? Number three. Number one, know who you are in Christ. Number two, focus on your call, not the comments. Number three, remove negative self-talk. Amen. Thank you, Brother Scott. Remove negative self-talk. Remove it from your life. Stop talking about yourself like that. I've heard it. You know, people say anything about themselves. Anything. Well, you know, our whole family, I've never been that smart, you know. Don't say that. Stop saying that. When the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. Remove negative self-talk. Don't talk about yourself. Here's the good rule of thumb for this, okay? The rule of thumb for this is don't talk about yourself in a way that God does not talk about you. Let me say that again. Don't talk about yourself in a way that God does not talk about you. Or another way to say it, don't talk about yourself in a way that contradicts what God said about you. That's good, man. Put that in the comments. Don't talk about yourself in a way that contradicts what God said about you. If he said you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, stop saying that I'm an old sinner saved by grace. How many know we're just old sinners saved by grace? Not me. Speak for yourself. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus and old things are passed away and behold, all things have become new. Right? Well, how many know it's, a, it's hard to serve the Lord? Speak for yourself. Jesus didn't say it's hard to serve me. He said, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He said, come unto me, all of you that are weary and heavy laden. And what will happen? I'll give you more to carry. Is that what Jesus said? Come unto me. Come unto me. And I'll... No, he didn't say, I'll give you more to carry. If you think you've got a heavy load outside of me, come to me. I'll show you what a heavy load. No, he said, come unto me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Glory to God. Don't talk about yourself in a way that contradicts what God says about you. Stop saying, you know, well, you know, sickness runs in my family. Maybe before you came into the kingdom, but stop saying it. Healing runs in your family. Deliverance runs in your family. Well, you know, alcoholism runs in my family. Stop saying that nonsense. It used to, but you came into the kingdom, became part of the body of Christ, started a new family tree. 
Stop saying alcoholism runs in my family. Stop saying sickness runs in my family. Diabetes, cancer runs in my family. Stop saying that. Well, you know, hopelessness, you know, divorce runs in my family. You know, people in my family have always had trouble keeping a job. Stop saying that. No, no more. Your children will not suffer with what previous generations suffered with. You're in a new family, got a new family tree. You've got the power of God flowing through your family. The Bible says that the blessing of God goes to a thousand generations, a thousand. That's it, Brother Kevin. We stop saying the self-defeating statements. We're speaking things. Our words have power. Not releasing that stuff. Not saying that. Your words carry power. And so I'm not going to speak in a way that contradicts what God said. If he said it, I believe it, and I will repeat it. If God said it, I believe it, I'll repeat it. Faith is released by speaking. Let me say that again. Faith is released by speaking. By speaking. Really? Yeah. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. We also believe, so we also speak. Amen. Whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you'll receive them and you shall have them. If you say to the mountain, right? Faith is released by what we say. I will not speak negatively. Philippians 4, 8 says, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything excellent or worthy of praise, think about those things. So the things you think become the things you say. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what am I going to meditate on? What the Bible says about me, not what people say about me. Not what the government, not what culture says about me, not what, well, you know, our race. I'm so sick of that. Grouping everybody in a race. You know, in our, our people do this. Our race. Stop talking like that. There is now neither Jew nor Greek. Slave or free, right? We're just people in Christ. You don't say, you know, well, black people have a harder time doing this, or, you know, white people have a harder time doing this, you know, Asians have a harder time doing this, you know, where I'm Latin American and our, our people have a harder time. Stop victimizing yourself based on race. If you're in the body of Christ, then let me tell you something. You've got the same favor and blessing and power and anointing and glory as every other believer, every other member of the body of Christ. You can't be held down. If you, you, let me say, if you're, I don't care what race you put in there. Well, you know, we're First Nations people. You know, and First Nations people have been oppressed for a long time. We live on the reservation. We can't hardly make it. We can't make it off the reservation. Let me tell you something. Stop saying you are this or that because of what race you are. If you're in the body of Christ, you're part of one body with one baptism, one spirit, one Lord, and the same favor and glory and power that's on Christ is upon you. Amen. Doesn't matter if your skin is black, white, red, yellow. I don't care. I mean, you can't even say that anymore. Can't say red skin. They just changed the name of the redskins because you can't say red skin. Can't say yellow skin. Whatever. <laughs> whatever people are, but let me don't speak negatively about yourself because of what race you are, what part of town you are. Well, you know, I grew up in the rough part of town. You know, we've, we never, we grew up poor. We never knew what it is. Doesn't matter. Who cares how you grew up? You're not that person anymore. You're in Christ. Again, it goes back to knowing who you are in Christ and then speaking the thing Jesus said, I confess what the Bible says. I talk like God. I talk like God. Hallelujah. Don't contradict what God said about you. Number four, you ready for this one? I'm giving you five decisions that make you unstoppable. Five decisions that make you unstoppable. Number one, know your identity in Christ. Number two, focus on your call rather than the comments. Number three, remove negative self-talk from your life. Number four, make sure you cultivate right relationships. That's number four. Cultivate right relationships. So what's a right relationship? How will I know what a right relationship is? Again, we go back to the Bible and we look at what the Bible says. What is a right relationship? 
I will not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. What relationship does Christ have with the devil? What relationship does light have with darkness? Does the temple of God have with idols? I cultivate right relationships. My best friends are not people who don't serve the Lord. What a stupid move that people make. Well, we've known each other forever. Who cares? They've decided to rebel against God while you've chosen to serve him. And if you want to link yourself up with those people, they're pulling in one direction, you're pulling in the other. You don't think there's going to be friction that somebody's going to have to give? Somebody will have to give because I'm not that person anymore. I don't live like that. I don't drink that. I don't smoke that. I don't go there. So why would I link myself up with people that are actively rebelling against God? Make your relationships faith relationships. People that are going the same direction. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? How can two walk together? They can't. They're walking away from God. You're walking toward God. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So the Bible looks at you as a blade. The Bible speaks about you as a blade. So a friend sharpens a friend. So why would you make uh, your friends rocks that are just dulling your blade instead of iron sharpening iron? Why would we link up, team up with people that are just constantly dulling our blade? I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. I love unbelievers. I pray for unbelievers. I preach to unbelievers. I call them to Christ, but I'm not linking myself up with them. I'm not going where they go, doing what they do, talking like they talk. No, I love them. I want them to be saved, but they're not my best friends. Well, you know, Jesus ate with sinners. Yes, Jesus ate with sinners. By the way, everyone was a sinner while Jesus was alive. There were no Christians. Just in case you didn't know that, he had not died and resurrected, so there were no Christians. Everyone was a sinner when Jesus was alive. There actually weren't any other kind of people he could have eaten with except sinners. <laughs> people always love to point that out. Well, Jesus walked among sinners. He, he loved sinners. He ate with sinners. Yes, everyone was a sinner. That's why he came. <laughs> That's why he came. When I used to preach youth camps, on that first night of camp, I'd preach a message about consecration and living for God and whatever. And I'd be, how, I'd say, how many of you in this room that you're, you're dating somebody that's not serving Jesus, lift your hand. And you know, everybody thinks I'm going to be like, you know, when you get home from this camp, we're going to win those people to Jesus. Your boyfriend will serve the Lord. Your girlfriend will serve the Lord. And I'd be like, how many of you are serving people or, or, or dating people that don't serve Jesus? And hands would go up all over the room. And I'd say, good, when you get out of this service tonight, call them up and break up with them. And the hands would shoot back down like so fast, so fast. Because <laughs> they thought I was going to say, we're going to see our boyfriend saved and our girlfriend. I said, no, you got no business dating people that aren't Christians. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you want to link yourself up with somebody that's not serving the Lord? Crazy. Bible says, don't do it. And we need to keep that same um, discipline in our lives because let me tell you something. There will be people that all they'll do is try to speak negatively about what it is God's called you to do or they'll discourage you. The let me tell you something. Devil loves to send time wasters. The devil loves to, to send dream killers, discouragers. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. A companion of fools suffers harm. Listen to Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Look at that. We're supposed to be encouraging one another toward good deeds. Well, if you've got the wrong people around you, that's not what they're doing. 
They're discouraging you from doing the thing God's called you to. Well, you really think it's the right time for that? I don't know if I'd do that if I were you. And I just don't think that's a, a wise move. And I know you're all about faith and everything. Don't, don't do that. Don't surround yourself with people that are uh, discouraging you. Number five, let me give you this. Destroy, with every bit of strength you've got in you, destroy comparison. Let me tell you something. Destroy comparison. Destroy it. Do not allow comparison in your life. You say, why is that? That's big right now. Everybody's comparing themselves with everybody. It's gotten bigger even now that social media has gotten so massive around the world. Everybody's comparing themselves with everybody else. Don't compare yourself with other people. Listen to this, because it's very important. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and verse number 12. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. You know what one translation says? They are unwise. Comparing themselves among themselves, they are unwise. It is unwise to compare yourself with somebody else. It is unwise to compare yourself with somebody else. I I did this illustration one time where I talked about uh, comparing yourself to somebody else's blessing and the thing God's put upon their life. So I took their, uh, there was this big guy in our church, huge guy. I took his jacket off. I said, give me your coat. And I put it on. Looked great on him. But when I put it on, that thing swallowed me up. It was so big and it was one of those zoot suit style coats. So it went down to like my knees. The arms were longer than my hands. Because he was a big, big guy. I said, man, this looked so good on you. This was tailored so well on you. And I was coveting it. I wanted what you had. I was comparing what I had to what you had. And I wanted to have what you had. And then I took, I took what he had and tried to put it on me. And it didn't look good on me like it did on him. You know why? It wasn't my blessing. It was his blessing. Wasn't my calling. It was his calling. It wasn't tailored for my life. It was tailored for his life. And that's why covetousness and and greed and envy are so ridiculous. That comparison. Well, if I just had what he had. If you were doing what he was doing, you'd need what he had. Right? My calling's different than your calling. Yours is different than mine. You have what you need from God. I have what I need. Don't compare yourself with somebody else and say, well, I wish I had what I want to have. You don't know. You don't understand how that's tailored to their life and their call and their purpose and how what you have is tailored to your life and your call and your purpose. Do not, do not covet what somebody else has. Don't compare yourself among yourselves. So that's, a, that's, a, that's a joy killer. The other thing that I encourage people to understand is that social media, for the most part, is a lie. I mean, think about it. People are posting their highlights to social media. They only want you to see the best of the best. They're posting their highlights. And you look at that and compare it to your lowlights. You know what's crazy? I told somebody this one time. I said, stop comparing your someone else's highlights to your practice reel. Stop comparing somebody else's highlights to your practice reel. You know, this, this is big. You know, I saw, I've seen ladies do this. You look at those Instagram moms, those Instagram cooks, those Instagram mom homeschoolers, everything's perfect. Look at the meal she prepared. I mean, it looks like it should be on the front page of Southern Living. I mean, such a gorgeous meal. The table set so perfectly. It looks like a magazine photo shoot. And you're looking at the burnt macaroni and cheese on the oven and the meatloaf that you made, you know, that you're reheating from last, you know, last night's dinner. And you're thinking like, man, I'm not a mom like she's a mom. I'm not a, I'm not a wife like she's a wife. And comparing somebody's highlights 
to your practice reel. We see people do stuff on social media and then we have, it gives us a negative view of what we're doing. Put your head down and push into your purpose and don't, don't allow comparison to destroy you. Destroy comparison. Destroy comparison and don't let it grab hold of your life and destroy who God has called you to be. That's right. There's different gifts. There's different callings. There's different purposes. Don't allow someone else's success to keep you from your success. Thank God for them. Praise God for them. Give glory to God for what he's doing in their life and press into your purpose. Press into yours. So so let me give this to you. Number one, know who you are in Christ. Don't allow others to define your worth, who you are. Number two, focus on your call and disregard the comments. There will be criticisms. There will be people that stand against you, speak against you. Number three, remove negative self-talk. I refuse to contradict what God said about me. Cultivate right relationships. Cultivate right relationships and destroy comparison. Do not allow comparison into your life. Do not allow it. It is not for you. It is not for you. And so let me encourage you today. God has great things for you. He has great things for your family. He has great things for your ministry. He has great things for your business. He has great things for you. You're called to be unstoppable. Don't ever let yourself be hindered by someone else, by external stimuli that has nothing to do with you. Cut it out and move forward into what God's called you to do. Father, I pray for them today, those watching, those listening, even those watching on the replay. I pray today that whatever was in them previously that caused them to care what other people thought, what other people said, what other people are doing, whatever that is, remove it from us today. The care of what others think, what others say, what others are doing, remove that from us and let us focus solely upon what you've called us to do. Don't let us miss out on the call. Don't let us miss out on the purpose in Jesus' name that you have for us, our ministries, our businesses, our families. Don't let us miss out because of what someone else might say or do. But today, start a new fire on the inside of us and cause us to do what we've been created to do at the highest possible rate of efficiency and effectiveness. We declare we'll make a great impact before Jesus comes. We thank you, Lord, for it and give you praise. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.